0: Welcome to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. We're here to create comfort along the entrepreneurial journey and really the life journey. Join us for inspiring, dynamic conversations that make the arduous process of venturing out into the unknown feel more doable because we believe in making the impossible possible. We hope you'll join us as we play in the infinite. So pull up a seat, grab a blanket. Let's get cozy. Welcome back to it's 4 and again, humongous thank you to Ashley for coming on, sharing her wisdom, sharing so vulnerably, and just being su- such a force, such a gentle but powerful force for all the mamas and all the women. So uh, without further ado, I welcome Ashley. All right, Ashley, welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm excited to be here. Uh, This was also inspired by your writing and your vulnerability and what you bring forth to your community. And I'm part of that. Um, I consider myself to be through the Boston fitness space. So I think a lot of who will be listening today will come from that space. So um, shout out to all the the Boston uh, fitness community. I want to start with that. Um, and I also want to ask you, uh, who you are, uh, before all your titles, all of your things, people could find out about you on Instagram. Who is Ashley?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Why are these questions always the hardest ones of all? I think for me, I'm just, I'm a work in progress. I feel like maybe it's once I hit my thirties and I'm 36 now, I, Feel like i'm entering this like new wave of life a new wave of being where i'm really digging deep to figure out why i think the way i think why i do the way i do why i'm choosing to heal the way i'm choosing to heal and just like figure out who, who i am i guess i guess i don't have an answer for that because i'm still trying to figure it out i know that i'm a feeler i know that i love people i know that i love um writing and speaking and always through the lens of wanting to help someone else and let someone else know that they're not alone. That's very important to me. And I think that's maybe because for a lot of my life, I felt I felt alone, alone mm-hmm. in my own thoughts and my own worries in my own head. And it felt like I had to be this like perfect, perfect little box, the person and mm-hmm. everything had to have an answer. And I took that into my adulthood and I'm just learning to like drop that. <laughs> and I talk about it a lot. So I'm a person that is still discovering, relearning, dropping the perfectionism, always, always, and just hoping that I can help others around me throughout the way and create our own little army of people looking to do the same.
0: (laughs) I love that. And I think all of the cozy, cozy, formerly Dare to Move podcast listeners are like, yes, this is me as well. Like I'm on the journey uh, because it is ever evolving. I don't think, I think the biggest thing we're all learning is it it's evolving. It's not a destination. And I think you really elucidate that so beautifully. So thank you for sharing that. And um we were both talking offline that we both followed the same fitness person in Boston. And since her husband's a public figure, I think we can probably just share. It was Jess Latshaw. Um, and her writing. And I wanted to say that your writing and the way you share is a very similar energetic for me. And it's why I've yeah. you uh
1: literally the most that is the highest praise (laughs) I just I adore her writing so much so to even even for our energy to be on the same wavelength that is like such a beautiful compliment so thank you
0: of course I mean it's it's really there for me and I think the vulnerability of what you share how you share um the realness the rawness and and honestly that's sort of what sparked this interview is something that you shared but before we kind of get into that you mentioned just a moment ago that you are like I'm someone that's healing and like how I'm healing and what I'm healing and why I'm healing so can you can we just like go juicy right from the get go like what is what is your healing What has your healing been about what have you moved through.
1: Let's do it. Um. Gosh, I feel like I've had a couple different, a few big, big healing moments in my life. And it's as one door is sort of closing. I don't think we could ever be like fully healed, bandaged up. Like there's still going to be a little, a little scar there. And I think the scar can be beautiful, but I do feel like I've moved through certain sections of my healing and I am not as, I'm not as, I'm not as present in some as I am in the other. So like the first like big healing moment that I went through in my life was my um, uh, recovery from an eating disorder. I um, developed a pretty severe case of anorexia. All of them are severe, but I developed anorexia when I was in college um, and had to drop out of school and was, you know, in and out of treatment centers, inpatient centers, residential, inpatient, outpatient hospitals for the better part of two years. And it was really interesting to me because I really thought that I kind of had everything together before, before this, and Mm -hmm. it felt very out of the blue. And I feel like the eating disorder community and the recovery space and knowledge about the disease has come a really long way. And even now, you know, looking back, I I am in recovery. I have been in recovery since I was... 22 years old. So it's been a long time. So I feel very passionate and, and proud of that Um, and feel like that door truly has, you know, has shut and I can stand on that very confidently. But even now, like looking back, I still feel like I'm doing a little bit of healing in terms of why and how that came about because the mindset and the different things that I was struggling through, or the beliefs I had about myself, that that's, those still crop up in other areas of my life. So we know that if you're familiar with eating disorders, it's not always about the food. It's not, a, not about, you know, just the body. It's about so many other deeper things. So I find that a lot of those deeper things pop up as I go through other harder things in life and I'm not running to my eating disorder, I'm running to like something else. I'm running to overworking. I'm running to, you know, being busy all the time and trying to be perfect and trying to do all these other things. And I'm noticing now as a 36 year old woman, wow, all of these things are connecting and they don't just live in like little buckets that are totally gone. They all come together. So I think that's why I feel like I'm still on this healing journey now and learning so much about myself. Um, The next like big thing that I kind of worked through was a a big career change, a big career shift that was really sparked out of my mom's diagnosis with cancer. It was one of those light bulb moments where I recognized just how short life was. Um, She was diagnosed with a rare and incurable cancer. And even though I knew both of those things in my mind, I still didn't feel like it was going to take her. So Mm -hmm. her loss was very shocking. Her loss was really traumatic. Um when she was diagnosed, that was when I, you know, recognized that fitness was something that I was really passionate about. And I was doing it on all ends of the day, like outside of my normal nine to five. And I was like, how can I make this my actual nine to five? How can I make this thing that fulfills me and that I feel like I have a greater sense of purpose for how can I do that in real life? I see other people doing it. There's gotta be a way. And I quit my job, which was people thought I was insane (laughs) because that's not something that I typically do of like a Capricorn through and through. I need to have a plan. I had no plan, put all my eggs in one basket and I ended up working out. And that was another learning opportunity for me that if you're passionate about something and you really care about it and you go for it and you work hard, like you can figure it out, like you will figure it out. So that was another big, big thing for me. Um, and then of course my mom's passing was, uh, it wasn't, it Is still something that I'm healing through. Um, you know, my mom and I had a very special relationship and we were just so, so, so close. She was my person. I was her person. I now like after much therapy, like recognize we probably were each other's person too much. Like we leaned on each other for for all the hard things, probably a little bit too much, but it it was also why our relationship was so beautiful. Um, So losing her was really like losing my foundation. And I really struggled with a sense of who I was and started to live in this place of fear of Mm -hmm. like, the world is not safe. Anything can happen. Like nobody is going to love me as much as my mom. And like, I have to watch my back because now I have no soft place to land. And that's like something that kind of just came up for me more recently through a lot of therapy, like recognizing that Mm
0: -hmm. and knowing
1: that I had this like harshness that I was holding up or I just like felt like everything was like defensive. I was defensive, defensive, defensive. And that Mm -hmm. wasn't, something that I typically found myself or who I found myself being like prior to her passing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: working through that um, and struggling with just her not being here for a lot of the big life moments, you know, being here for um, you know, buying my first house with my husband and, you know, the birth of my daughter. And, you know, we'll talk about all the different things, you know, as we go on, but you know, the loss of my first baby and all of these different things, you know, not having here for the big having her here for the big moments is um is an everyday you know, a reminder of the grief and a reminder of the love that, um, has nowhere to go or now it has nowhere to go, but prior it, did, it really didn't. Um, so that's a big one that I continue to work through. And I think the biggest thing right now is, you know, her not being here with, with my baby and knowing that, you know, she just was waiting for the moment for me to finally, you know, decide, okay, we're going to start a family and, and to do that. And her just so badly wanting to be a part of that, and wanting to, you know, quit her job to be a full-time nanny for, for us. And mm-hmm. you know, she was just, she was a teacher for many, 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 many years. Um, so she just has an affinity for kids and she was, you know, the best mom in the world. So I always thought I'd have her to lean on. And mm-hmm. I felt very much like, oh shit, now I have to figure this out by myself. How am I going to do that? And mm-hmm. um and I miss her. So that's something that I work, I'm working through and I'm healing through right now. That was a lot,
0: but. No, oh, thank you so much for all of that. I think it, it gives me so many things to like what I wanted to talk about today and and now permission to, to go there. And I think it just really exemplifies how conscious you are and how much you're taking care of yourself and your soul. And also I'm like, so now even more like I've known the story, I've read a lot of your writing, but, um, also from a spiritual lens, I'm, I'm always thinking spiritual. I'm like, wow, you and your mom must have had a very powerful soul contract for her timing. Like, I mean, for her to be like giving you the lesson of learning to stand on your own, like in this moment, like, wow, I'm getting choked up. Um, so thank you for all of that. And um, I want to get into the sacred bond of motherhood. I want to get into grief. I want to go all the places, but um, to kind of go almost in order of what you shared, with body image. This is something I think we've probably both experienced in not just it's not, you know, unique to Boston, but the fitness community, we just happen to be on the east coast. Oh gosh, with body image and fitness. What has it been like for you because um for me to also have an eating disorder history and sort of find myself healing through fitness, but fitness was also a gateway to like be in my disorder for a long time, it became so apparent to me. Like, it's like, you can see it on other people. The second you're kind of on the other side and how pervasive it is in the fitness industry. And so for me, loved inspiring people, love teaching, love fitness. I always say fitness was my first love. And there were times that I'm like, I feel like I might be supporting some unhealthy habits too, whether it's the sexy marketing or like I got into bodybuilding at the tail end of my disorder. And like, I'm this model of, of fitness body. And, and so talk to me about being post healing in this industry, please.
1: (laughs) I could talk for 24 hours about this topic but i won't we'll keep it short and sweet and um and have it have it make sense um yes all the things you said it is so challenging and it's so hard and i think one of the big reasons why i waited to get into fitness full-time um was because i knew that i was still healing from the exercise portion and i think a lot of people that have have eating disorders like once you heal your the food maybe you can be on a good path for that Oftentimes there's like a compensation moment or a compensation period. And I found myself leaning into exercise and that became the next issue. And then I was healing that process. Unfortunately, the way our society works, when you are just working out all the time and doing all these things, people think you're so disciplined. You have like, you're amazing. You're so strong, you know, all these different things. Um, And you can get away with it a lot easier than you can with the food stuff, which could be very much in someone's face, right? Um so I kind of skipped over that that section of it but that was something that I was truly also had to heal from and I started taking spin classes um indoor cycling and that was really the very first time that I was able to get on a piece of exercise equipment or do something movement related and have it not be about my body. Like I went into my first class, I mean you know, I'm just going to shout it out I went to a soul cycle class and Charlotte, I love you. <laughs> if you're if you're listening. Um and it changed my life. Like it changed my world. It made me connect to my body in a way that, you know, I wasn't looking at my watch when I was going on a long run. I wasn't um I wasn't like counting the minutes on, the, you know, a machine. Uh-huh. Like How I was totally like the music, the senses, the darkness. Like I cried. Like it was the first time that I was able to connect to my body on a level where I felt like I could appreciate it and it's also easy to get a little bit too and en- and raptured in that right so but it it was something that i that just opened my eyes differently and i and i became um i became really passionate about indoor cycling and and that type of the the fitness journey and i feel like through that i i healed a lot more you know that and i was able to heal heal a lot easier than i would have probably on my own just trying to you know set myself some you know limits and everything at the gym, but, um, it opened my eyes. I started thinking about things differently. And then when I, and then I started teaching, um, class on my own and I started at, at different gyms, I got my certifications. I was doing all these, all these things and it was really fun. And what I really wanted to be is I pledged to myself that I would be a different voice in the fitness community because I wasn't really hearing any different
0: voice, any other voices. I think really. He- loss and helping some people see that they actually had a disorder. And, you know, uh, what's the word, like uh, guiding them elsewhere from my services. um, I think I learned how many people felt uncomfortable going to group fitness classes. I'm like, but I'm like, of course, because I'm the instructor and I'm uncomfortable sometimes. So like, what does that say about the water we're swimming in? So I think you're doing really, really powerful work. And one of the things that you mention was how spinning allowed you to reconnect to your body and i like to think that fitness is the best grounding tool out there because you're not in your head thinking about your problems you're literally thinking about flexing your foot or squeezing your hamstring or driving through your heels and on the bike um how important was that for you in your journey to becoming a mom and being in your body for conception Oh my gosh. Yes.
1: I being in my body, that was something that, you know, having gone through an eating disorder, I I've always worried. And I think this is just one of those things that stays in the back of your mind. I have always been like, is this going to be the thing that throws me back? Is this going to be the thing that, that pulls me back into that dark place? Like I can't be good this long. Can I, can it? Is is it really like, am I really good? And I thought that when my mom died, I was like, is this going to be the thing that triggers something? You know, I felt like my eating disorder came out of the blue. I wasn't, I was like, can, can it happen again? Right. That fear, same thing happened during the pandemic. Is this going to be the thing? Um, and then, you know, getting pregnant, is this bo- major body change? Is this going to be the thing? Um, and what I am so like grateful to be able to say is that it didn't. And I think it is because of the work that I put into creating that mind body connection and learning more about my body and learning to appreciate it and truly sitting in the discomfort and knowing that, you know we think these things about our bodies because the outside world is spinning at us and it's telling us, and we're. Being, you know, fed all this information and these expectations, and we're seeing these images, and that's all created by someone for a purpose, and it's usually money at the mm-hmm. bottom at the, at the bottom of it. But mm-hmm. if we all looked exactly the same, like we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be thinking about it. Like it's, it's about who you are inside, and I think going through you know, different things like going through my mom's loss that just, you know, cemented in my mind even more just how short life is. And I, I know for a fact when she was lying on her deathbed, she was not thinking about what she looked like in bikini. Mm. She was thinking about where she would have wished that she had spent her time 20 years ago, 10 years ago, one day ago, you know what I mean? And it shouldn't take something like that, something so, you know, sad to snap you into reality. But whenever I do find myself slipping down a negative path, I think about my mom and I think about, you know, what life is all about and, um, motherhood bringing life into the world. I can't think of anything more sacred and beautiful than that. And what I recognized through my process of pregnancy was that like, this is what my body was made for. Mm. This is what it was made to do. Why am I, why was I trying to change it for so many years? to look a certain way for what, for who was that going to change me? Was that going to change the world? No, yeah. it wasn't. And, um, it, it, was, it was a really beautiful process. Of course it's uncomfortable and physically uncomfortable, but I do feel like it was a lot easier for me to wrap my mind around the change, um, and the evolution of my body because of the trauma that I had been through. And I, I found myself putting myself in pers- putting things in perspective a lot and coming back to that reality. Um, and also understanding that this was a really big privilege. Um, it was a privilege that my body was growing and my belly was getting bigger and my baby was growing because my first pregnancy did end in loss. And I would, you know, I would do anything to have that big belly again during the time that I was grieving that. So I think that grounded me very much as well.
0: Wow. I am, I'm personally on a, a year long fertility journey that I did not expect after, getting pregnant right away. And this is a question I've never asked anyone, honestly. Um, and you can not answer if it doesn't feel aligned, but I'm wondering, um, what your, well, first what your fertility, like when you decided to start getting pregnant, what was that like? Um, and then after loss and that experience, what was it like to try again? Because I understand now, although i haven't suffered a miscarriage that i i feel so much more aware of it now going into this a second time that like okay i could get a positive test and thanks to people like you sharing your story like there's much more awareness now on like what is at risk what is at stake i think i kind of walked into it blind i was like maybe i should get pregnant and then i was pregnant and then everything was held. Like I was so blessed with my first experience. I'm, I'm just curious about your mindset. Cause I think maybe some people out there might benefit too, including myself from, from that.
1: Yeah. That's a great question. First of all, I'm so sorry, you know, that you're also struggling through, um, the infertility journey because it is it speaking about body, it can, it can be a really tough time to connect to your body because you feel like you're kind of fighting against it. And that was, in my initial stages of getting pregnant, the first time that was where I was at, we were struggling. We were having trouble. Um, I felt very, I very intentionally, we very intentionally my, my husband and I, we've been together for a very long time. We've been together since 2008. We got married in 2017. We had a, a nice long little time together before we got married, but we're very intentional and we're planners. And, um, when my mom got sick, it was just not the time for us to start trying you know we were taking we were taking on a huge the majority of her caretaking she was you know in and out of chemo all these different treatments a lot of really strong drugs a lot of things that they they would ask me are you are you planning to conceive like you can't be around her if she's taking this drug like it was very very scary so we decided that there was no way and also mentally and emotionally i don't think i could have i could have handled that um it's also one of my biggest regrets that we didn't we weren't able to like bring a baby into the world when she was still here but again, I have my beautiful daughter now, so I can't, I can't think about that too much. But um, when we finally did decide to start trying again, it it took me a little bit, I couldn't imagine being a mom without her. So it took me a little while to kind of wrap my head around it. But then, you know, at first you just, you just think, well, we're just not going to be careful and we're just going to be casual about it. And then you're casual, 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 all of a sudden the months are adding up and you're like, okay, wait, like this doesn't seem right. So then we did, you know, go to a doctor and wanted to make sure that everything was all good. And everything was looking like it was supposed to still wasn't happening. Um, and then I started getting really panicked and really scared that I had waited too long. You know, I was at, at this point 35, getting to be, getting to be around there. Um, so, you know, all my friends were pregnant or had on their first babies or second babies and trying for their thirds. And it was, it was frustrating and it was really scary. And I actually thought that, um, I had done something, through my eating disorder. I had thought that maybe there was something from that that, you know, had me it was making this harder for us and um was really fearful of that. We ended up going to uh decided to go through IVF doctors, um going we went through all the beginning stages and everything to get to, you know, to figure out like what we needed to do to to get on board and every single time I would like the appointments would start to get scheduled, to like make things official, I would something inside me would be like not yet. So, and I would cancel and which is crazy because, you know, I was so, I was so eager to get pregnant and, um, you know, and we had been trying for so many, so many months and then we did get pregnant. Um, and it was, it felt like, oh my God, okay. Like good thing. We didn't, we didn't go through all the the stress of IVF, you know, because of the length of time that we were trying, my doctor had, had referred us over to Boston IVF. So that's why we were going to go that route, but then we got pregnant. So I was like, this is like divine intervention. This is my mom. This is so beautiful. and then at 10 weeks, um, at 10 weeks pregnant, that's when I I, I I suffered a miscarriage. The interesting thing was I had like a really, I was excited and I felt like this was a divine intervention, but I had this like weird, like pit in my stomach where mm-hmm. I just always was worried. It could just be because I'm an anxious person. I was always worried that there was something wrong. So my doctor actually had us come into the, uh, into the office at um, five weeks and then we went in at eight weeks. And I got to see the heartbeat two times. So it was like two times I confirmed, like I got to see the ultrasound. Usually, you know, they make you wait until eight weeks for even able to come in, but she let me, she let us come in twice. So at that eight week mark, I was like, this is real. Like, this is true, this is happening. Like the baby's there, Um, we were scheduling our like our little announcement photos and all of that stuff i wanted to wait the to get out of the first trimester before i shared with anybody which now i have this like whole other idea about waiting and where that whole thing comes from um but then at 10 weeks i i miscarried and i was i was home by myself and my husband was all the way up in vermont at a big work trip and I, you know, it started, it started happening and, um, and he came home and we went to the hospital and that's when we found out that we were losing the baby, but that was, um, it was really traumatizing. And that was a really big moment where I, I struggled with my body in that moment. And I put a lot of blame on myself. I blamed myself for teaching. I blamed myself for being vegan. I blamed myself for being stressed, for not sleeping, like mm. so much blame, um, um, and I blamed my body. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, you know, at the, at the hospital, the the doctors, I was, I was at newton Wellesley and at the newton Wellesley ER and the doctors there were so phenomenal and just kept reiterating over and over and over again, that this was not my fault. They were giving me the statistics. They were telling me how often this can happen and that it's still sad and it's okay to grieve and give me all the resources for support that I need. But really it was like the first time that I was even knowing that like something like this, I had heard about it. I've heard pe- this happening to people, nobody I knew or that I thought I knew is what I realized. Um, as soon as I started, you know, sharing a little bit more about my story, the number of people that reached out to me to say that they too had gone through the same thing and had never spoken about it or didn't know anybody else, it just it blew it blew my mind. That's when I actually decided to put it out on Instagram and be really vocal and vulnerable because I just couldn't believe and I was getting angry that I was hearing this from so many different people—people people in my own family, my own friends—that were holding on to this grief completely by themselves, alone, and and feeling that that shame. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how many other women are feeling this? And can we all just talk about it? Because first of all, it sucks and it's painful, but let's help each other heal and also like bring some awareness around around this um, because it does deserve to have attention and people do deserve to care for themselves during that time. um, And then all, you know, the time to follow.
0: Wow. And I can imagine that brought up more grief from, Yeah. And I'm sure you had some tools, like compared to like someone who hadn't been through losing their mom. But how did that impact your psyche going into trying to conceive again? Like, did you know instantly? Like, I I wonder that about some people. I I I've only talked to a few people who've been through it because again, this isn't this like thing that we're all discussing all the time. Um, where they're like, oh yeah, I knew just like right away I was going to try next month, and I just I haven't been through the experience. But I wonder if I experienced it. If I would be, I share this from tra- my childbirth was really traumatic and I had this weird experience for the first six weeks where I felt, I don't want to say detached from my womb, but almost like it was damaged. And like, I didn't want any, like, like, how could anything else ever live there when I just had this trauma? Cause I had an infection during my birth and it would just, it was, everything went wrong except that Declan's healthy, thank goodness. Um, but I'm wondering what you were experiencing and if you had a knowing, because it sounds like you had the knowing, you like described that anxious pit in your stomach. And I've heard a couple people also have that intuitive, like mm, something may not be totally right here. So did you have an instinct about like, let's just try again or did you need to wait? Like, what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, well, first I would say the grief, I was surprised by the level of grief. That I experienced like I was Mm. uh, I I I consider myself, and I still think that you you can cry and still be strong, right? Obviously, but I have always been someone that's like power through, like, and that's a whole nother thing we could talk about, try and fix that. But you know, power through, you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be fine. There's you can always like turn something around. There's there's a reason for everything, right? And when this happened, I was like, nope, Mm. there is not a reason for everything. I thought that when my mom passed away, but then I convinced myself, you know something otherwise. And like, how can this happen? And how can this bad thing happen? I lived in this space of like anger and grief and fear, and I let myself feel it. And I think that was really healing and really important. And, um, and my husband, I have to give him a shout out because he was so wonderful throughout the whole process and letting me feel the things and letting me stay on the couch for like a week straight. And my work was amazing by not having me, you know, come into work and giving me time and giving me space just to process. But it's a very interesting feeling, you know, you're connected to something so immediately, or in my case, it felt very immediate. Um, when I found out I was pregnant, and it was also my first time being pregnant and seeing that positive test. So, you know, that, that joy and that excitement and that, that fear, all that into one, but for you to be excited about something that nobody else knew existed except you and your husband. Mm. It's a very weird feeling. Um, And there's that fear that like people are going to think that you're being dramatic or that you're like, how can you be so upset about this? And I will say like the majority of the people that I connected with and that were in my, in my, you know, network and um, in my world were all very supportive and wonderful. So it's nice to, nice to know that. But I I feel like I did a lot of um, like analyzing of my grief. Like this grief feels different from my mom. Like I had a relationship with my mom. I didn't know this baby, but I still feel so upset and so sad. And what if this happens again? My pregnancy journey is never gonna be the same. And then I was grieving that. I was grieving the fact that I was never, I don't, I might ever, when when I get pregnant again, if I get pregnant again, can I get pregnant again? Will I be able to enjoy it? And that was the next level of like fear that opened for me. From my um in my in my journey, I knew I wanted to get pregnant right away. So as soon as we were able to, you know, start trying again, and I was feeling healed down there, which the healing process also for something else that I didn't expect the pain, the healing, the the length of time that you're still considered pregnant because your HGC levels, it took like eight weeks for me to even get down to a regular, just so much that I learned that I didn't even know. So then that prolongs things a little bit more too, because you're like, it's the stick still says I'm pregnant, but I'm not. And that was really hard. Um, But then as soon as we were able to start trying again, we did and um and it took a few more months and i did get pregnant again again same thing we were lined up for ivf i canceled two appointments and then i found out that i was i was pregnant again a few months later but those those months in between where we were trying and nothing was happening
0: Mm. i
1: was like not okay i was i was i was not well (laughs) i look back at at that time in my life and I don't know how I was functioning I don't know how I was doing my job I really truly was not my head was nowhere else um yeah it was it was tough um but then you know getting pregnant again it was different I I was excited to see the positive but then I also didn't believe it I was like this maybe this is maybe this is a chemical pregnancy maybe this is you know what if this is going to happen again like I don't want to get my hopes up I don't want to get Everything was not like when the baby comes or when we go to the doctor's appointment. It's like, if we get to this point, if, if mm-hmm. I am actually pregnant, if this is like X, Y, and Z, it was all ifs. So mm-hmm. that was an interesting transition and change. And I even find myself now, even though I do have a healthy baby girl, I say like, you know, if I'm lucky enough to get pregnant again, cause I still have that feeling that it just might not happen. Um, and you know, I don't know that that would be there if I had a easy first pregnancy or, or had gotten, you know, had gotten pregnant the first time and, and, and a baby came out of it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we can, talk, I'll, I'll, I'll pause there. Cause I was just talking a lot, but we could talk a little bit more about the pregnancy journey and what that was like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you, you, my, actually my friend and, um, she shared about this, but, um, the breakup coach, Dorothy, she's been on the podcast a couple of times and she, um, talking with her about her, um, uh, miscarriage, it was the first time someone ever kind of explained to me just by telling like what was going on in their life, like the process that is testing for pregnancy after the miscarriage. And that solidified to me too. One of our products that we're coming out with is hopefully this year, product development is like, you know, a whole beast, but um, is an ergonomic pee cup because you need a partner on the journey when, when you're literally testing your pee for ovulation, for pregnancy, For pregnancy after like you're just literally collecting urine all the time and i like i want it i want to like create something that's intentional for that piece of it and there's so much around fertility but there's not a lot of support around what happens after a miscarriage and so i just want to say thank you for bringing that up and sharing so transparently the process because you know, why don't we know this? Why don't we know what we're opening ourselves up to scientifically? Like emotionally, everyone's gonna have different experiences and mentally, but it would be sort of nice to know, like I I feel like I prepared in all the ways for pregnancy and, and birth. There are amazing courses in Boston and different doulas. And still it's just this cascade of things that can happen. Um, and And it's just hard to ever feel really, ready for it. Um, but I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I think, you know, for me, it sounds cheesy to say, or it sounded cheesy before I was a mom, but like, there's so much finding of self in becoming a mom and it starts in pregnancy and it scared the crap out of me because I was such, I was so resistant to letting myself be found in motherhood because our culture is like, boss, babe, hustle, grind, you know, and it's great because we did need to, women do need space in the workplace and we forged our way there. And that's great. And we are capable of building humans. And it's like, you mentioned this earlier, sorry, you said something just about like how much you, or the way you were describing yourself, it just seemed like you just found this essence of self in motherhood, as did I, it was this new level of completeness and self-acceptance. And, and it is, and not every, that isn't everyone's journey. All I totally understand that. And I, I look at creativity and the mother as an archetype, like you can be in the mother archetype in other ways as well. Um, but I would love to hear you talk about your pregnancy journey and motherhood, because there's also, it's like as high as the highs are and the finding of the self, it's also like obliteratingly hard. Um, and like, I don't want to say so crushing because that sounds like when (laughs) my daughter is, (laughs) let's be (laughs) real. Bleeding out and your nipples are cracked. Like, I mean, it is just something. So walk us through your experience, making the transition into motherhood and especially the sacred bond that you had with your mom and what that's been like for you with your daughter.
1: So Ugh, I feel like this is. I mean, it's. It is so cheesy. It sounds cheesy, but I get it now. Like it is the most transformative experience that I can, I can't think of anything more transformative than this. And I. Always considered myself, I would always say, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like the mom, but I'm going to be like the boss mom. And I'm just going to like, my kid is not going to be a part of my life. I'm not changing my life for the kid. Like, that's kind of what I had always thought of in my brain. Like, I'm still going to do all the things. I'm still going to be the same. I'm still going to be doing all the stuff. And like, the kid's not going to hold me back. Right. And, now it's yes, there are parts of my life and my world where, of course, like I love being, you know, owning things and running things and having my own, you know, business and and doing all these different things. Like that's that's the part of me and who I am. But I've softened in so many different ways, and yeah, like, I can even get into how it's like changed my fitness life as well. And I'll get into that after, but I do think it's just so beautiful, and I do feel like this entire year, and it did all start, you know, it did start with my loss. I feel like that. I learned a lot about myself through that. I learned very quickly that I wanted to be a mother when all of a sudden I could not, because there's still that fear, like, it's now the right time? Am I, is this supposed to happen? And you're excited, but you're nervous. And then as soon as it was off the table, I was like, this is what I meant to do. I want this so badly that, like, it hurts. It hurts that I don't know if I'm going to get that. So that was very affirming for me, even though it was the most, like, Traumatic, awful, terrible experience. I would never. I never want anybody to have to go through that. And then getting pregnant again, I really wanted to make sure that I was Im- trying my best to embrace the whole journey and not rush it. Even though part of me really wanted to just get to the end to make sure that I had a healthy baby on the other side. So I was constantly like going through this, like, okay, like you, I, you're scared to connect, but you need to focus on connecting because you're going to be upset if all of a sudden you're not. You feel like you didn't take the time to connect and. And I immediately got a therapist when I found out that I was pregnant. Um, I, she's still w- with me today to this very day, and I feel like she was a huge reason why I was able to get through. Um, you know, all the mental hurdles as I was working through 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 the loss, because I had I did have a deep sense of fear and like PTSD that it was gonna it was gonna happen again. Um every single twinge, every single pain, you know, everything. And then I would start to catastrophize and I would think about my life and like the other losses that I've had and I'd be like, this is just what follows me. And I had to really get myself out of that negative mindset. And I would say it wasn't until the 20 week mark, which makes sense because that's when you have your anatomy scan, where I really was like, okay. I'm really going to focus on the joy here. And I'm going to focus on believing and knowing that this is happening. And my therapist would always say like, you are pregnant right now, yeah, right now, come back to what is, what is real right now. And you are pregnant right now. And I would tell myself that over and over and over and over again. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, once you can feel them move a little bit more, it, it, it starts to feel a little bit easier. It's still scary, but you start to believe it a little bit more, um, So that, you know, meeting weekly with her and letting her be kind of my outlet, Um, she didn't tell me this during the process, but I found out right before I went on maternity leave, she was also pregnant at the same exact time, but couldn't like share it in the moment, just, you know, patient client. But then she was going on maternity leave when I was going on maternity leave, which is actually the worst time for your therapist to go on maternity
0: leave (laughs) because that's when you need it the most.
1: But um, it was really, it was really neat because you know, now we're back. She's back when we're trying to leave and we're we're working together again. But um shout out therapy. I firmly believe that if you haven't tried it and you are curious, give it a shot. It takes a while to find the right person. But um yeah, I think working through that and then I think having gone through that loss, it made the change, the changing of my body um, made me able to accept it a little bit more mm. because I appreciated it. I appreciated it and I I was like excited to see the change because it was confirming that i was pregnant yeah. and that was almost a gift in itself um i don't know i i guess i'll never know like if if the first pregnancy ended in, in a baby would i have had more of a struggle with my body image um i was surprised that it was more um it was it was easier than i expected and i think a lot of it was just because i kept putting things into perspective about how much
0: mm-hmm. i wanted
1: it um, you don't want the back pain and you, just, you don't want all of that stuff, but, um, but I, I felt very fortunate and very grateful. And I would always come back to that, come back to the gratitude. Um, and then, you know, along with that, that's like a beautiful thing. But then, you know, the whole time I just wanted my mom, I just wanted my mom. I had a lot of questions. I wanted to know, you know, what was it like when you're pregnant with me? Like all these, all these conversations that, you know, we didn't really get to have, um, that I just never thought to have I guess because you're in a different space all of a sudden I started seeing myself more like her I started seeing myself as the mother and started wondering things from that lens versus the daughter lens and that's been a really interesting change you know seeing seeing me as her in that way and having such an intense appreciation for what she gave so that I could be here right? Just what every mother gives so that their baby can be here. Like, I just, I find myself just telling her thank you all the time um, and talking to her through it all. But, you know, I did, it was, it was hard not having her, not having her at my baby shower and, you know, I always used to say that she was going to be in the delivery room with with my husband and i like we used to joke about it i feel like you better just get comfortable because mom's going to be in there be in there with us and you know not having her there for that was was hard but i brought a picture of, of her and i and like had her right next to you know my my birthing bed and that was you know she was there in spirit and she was there in that way but mm-hmm. uh yeah that's that was a hard a hard thing so i felt like it was very There was gratitude. There was happiness. There was fear. There was grief. Like it was all these things all at once. And it often ebbed and flowed. And again, like shout out to my husband for being a part of the whole thing and the whole journey with me. But, um, it definitely made her, it it just made everything feel so much more special, I guess, because I just knew how badly I wanted her here Earthside, And, um, towards the end of the pregnancy, we did go have some complications and things started to get a little bit, a little bit challenging. And I really needed to like, hold on to that faith and that, um, you know, that my body was going to do what it needed to do to like, keep her safe and like, let that mother instinct and intuition kind of come to the forefront to like, get through those last, you know, few months of, of pregnancy, but um, she helped me through it. So. Um,
0: well, thank you for all of that. It's so beautiful. And I, I see like, it's so interesting how pregnancy just brings like everything. It's like the egg of the universe. Like, it's like you are the universe. Like you can see everything. You can feel everything. Like it it brings up so many things. And, um, motherhood for me has brought up a lot of my connections, like my inner child and like little me and like what I needed. And like, especially now having a toddler, I see so much of myself. And so I'm so present to like, things I didn't even know I remembered about whether it was like my parents parenting style or things that were said to me. And, and then obviously that makes me conscious of how do I want to be as a parent in this situation? And, and what are we like, Jeff and I, how are we going to address this? And I'm so curious, like, cause you mentioned the beginning, like you were like my mom and I might've been even like too close. Like your dynamic was just really, really close. Like how does that influence the way you think and feel about motherhood, about intuition? Because I think the challenge with motherhood is like, there's a million ways to do it right, you know? And it's like, what's the right parenting advice and all of that. So how are you maneuvering through being a mom and choosing your style and your connection with her?
1: It's what you just said that resonates with me so much. And I don't think I would have said what I said before, like, Oh, we're maybe too close. Maybe lean to each other too, too close and too much until I became a mom myself. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like putting myself in those different shoes. And, um, yeah, I think I, you know, my mom is such an amazing, beautiful person and she also was very insecure Mm -hmm. and she also gave everything to her Mm -hmm. kids to the point where she sacrificed everything from herself.
0: Mm -hmm. and it
1: made her a really great mom because we had everything that we needed and we knew that we had all the love in the world, but she wasn't taking care of herself. She Mm -hmm. wasn't, um, you know, making sure that her relationships were strong with friends and, you know, going out and like doing the things she was just, she was a stay at home mom for a really long time. And then she became a teacher and she was always just this nurturing, 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 nurturing person who took care of everything, especially at our in our home in like a very traditional sense. Like she took care of all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the everything. My dad was the, you know, the breadwinner and he he went to work and he was the disciplinarian and he, you know, it was very, a very, you know, traditional household in that way. And achievement was really important. And, you know, making sure that you were at the top of everything. And I think I can see from my mom's side, you know, she was insecure with her body. So like she spoke about her body poorly. She never spoke about mine poorly, but I, I I picked up on that, of course. Like as a kid, I see that now. Like she never intentionally did that. I will never talk about my body in negative light in front of my child, right? And I think a lot of people in that generation, you know, they all, they all kind of did that things change, but, um, the way that the household was run, like that is not how my husband and I do things around here. we we try to be way more, you know, everything's divided 50, 50, you know, he is up in the middle of the night. Also, you know, doing the feeds sometimes he'll let me sleep in. I'll, I'll sleep in the guest room sometimes when I have to get up and teach a, a early, early morning class so I can get a full night's sleep. Like we split things up Like my dad never did any of that, right? Like he didn't, he's never changed a diaper. Like we are changing. uh, And I hope, I I mean, I think a lot of people are probably, you know, shifting out of that now at this point, but I look back at that and I have a lot of compassion for her because she really did it all. And she didn't need to. And she also never asked for help. Mm. And she was always a very stressed out person. She was just so stressy all the time. And I felt like I needed to help her not be stressed. Mm. And I would, and like, we would help each other, but that was a lot of stress and pressure to put on me as a little girl, as a daughter, to feel like I had to take care of, you know, everything so that mom wasn't stressed and dad wasn't angry. And like little brother was okay. Like I took on a lot of that, you know, the oldest daughter syndrome, right. And now I have an oldest daughter and I don't want her to take on the stress of the family. And I want her to know that she can do or do not like what she wants to do. You don't have to be the best. You can do something because you love it. Like you don't always have to be achieving and packing your schedule busy. Like I look back at my schedule when I was a kid and it was like this activity, that activity, this class, this, and great. A lot of it was fun and I enjoyed it. Some of the best memories ever, but also did I like, did I want to do that? I'm not sure. Like, did I have a choice? I don't think, I don't know if I did. Like things yeah. like that I'm thinking about a lot. And, you know, I guess taking my parenting style, I want, most importantly, I want my daughter to see a mother and father that love, each other and respect each other so much. And I want her to be able to go not only to me for the hard things, but I want her to be able to go to her dad for the hard things. Mm -hmm. And that just wasn't the dynamic in my home growing up. And I think a lot of that, again, is just the more of the traditional household vibes and kind of how that played out. But it's so important for me, for her to know that like she has so much support in every corner and she doesn't need to feel pressured to take care of mom and dad. Like that that shouldn't be how it how it is. She should be a kid. So um that's really important to me. And I think that's something that I really want to take into my parenting style with her. It's
0: so powerful. And um I relate to a lot as the oldest daughter as well, the <laughs> stressed out mom. Um, and I think it's just showing again, like where you put consciousness and what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it. And I don't know if everyone is there, it's a, it's a hard thing to do, to be aware of your own thoughts and your own patterns all the time is a lot of work. And on the other side, it is really beautiful, but thank you for sharing like the true, like depths of what you're looking at and how you're feeling into it and, and where you want to go forging your own path, especially because it's not been done before. So you and your husband are, you know, new at this, um, which kind of brings me to, The newness of motherhood, like we both kind of hinted at like how we thought we'd be as moms and then the baby arrives healthy and, you know, depending on how you birth, like you're healing. And, and for me, like I wasn't sleeping at all. And I was really lucky that, um, I had had two active clients, like right up to like basically giving birth. And I was like, we're just going to take a one month break by five weeks. I'll probably want to like check in, like get back to work a little bit. Um, that spaciousness was so important. And there were so many days where I just like in the early, like first three weeks, I'm like, I could never work again. Like, how could I ever work again? like, what, what is work? Like, um, it was just this really crazy thing that I never thought I would ever say or do um so anyway what was your experience like in the kind of because mother can be abrasive like what was that like for you i
1: i feel like i'm just coming i'm at my six month six month postpartum little girl just turned six months old on friday um, a couple days ago but i feel like i'm just starting to feel more like myself and in terms of like my brain being turned on and being able to like think and, and, and feel and know why I'm feeling and thinking certain things, because those first few months, when you come home from that hospital, I was shocked. It, It was like going back to the, the, the trauma of a miscarriage. Like I was like, how do I not know this? Like, how can I not know? And I was I struggled. I struggled big time um, more so than I thought that I would, especially because I, I, I wanted this so badly. Right. And I was feeling this guilt. I was struggling. I was having a hard time. I was like resenting the baby. I was resenting my body. I was feeling alone. I was angry. I w- had all these things going through my brain. Like I missed work. I would like resent my husband when he we went to work. And then there were days where I couldn't imagine ever working again because I loved my baby so much. Like it was just fluctuation and hormones, I'm sure are to blame for it. But a lot of back and forth. And I think the hardest thing was in the beginning, I I had to leave the hospital without my baby. And that was really challenging. Um, And at my, I think it was 29 weeks, all time is all such a blur, but right around 29 weeks, I I had gotten COVID when I was pregnant um, in my second trimester later in my second trimester was told, was fine. And then they had me come in for an ultrasound just to like, make sure everything was good to go. It was just protocol is what they were doing for moms that were getting COVID during pregnancy. And there's not any data to support any, any of this at this point, because there's not enough data out there. <laughs> However, I was just following along with what the doctors were telling me to do. So went in to um, have the ultrasound and they didn't have any appointments at my normal office. So they sent me to a different office. It was just supposed to be a quick little check on you ultrasound just going to make sure everything looks good sure everything's fine and then you're on your way um just again protocol given the circumstances of everything um and when i was there they had my husband and i go into another room which had never been done any of my ultrasounds before so i of course start panicking and They didn't have a doctor on staff on site, they had somebody call in um, with reading the results of the ultrasound and it wasn't my normal doctor, it was just the person that was on staff and they told me that um, the baby was very small and they were concerned so at that point, everything had been totally fine with the pregnancy. They can't of course say like what was causing the baby to be small. Maybe they just happened to catch it at this point. Maybe they wouldn't have caught it. Had I not like gone in, who knows, maybe it it could be from virus They again, don't know. Um, but the baby was very small. So I wanted to keep following up. So I ended up going in for appointments twice a week. They would have a non-stress test and do an ultrasound. Then they upped that up to three times a week. And then I ended up uh, towards the last, um, you know, few weeks of my pregnancy, going in four times a week to get a fetal non-stress test and ultrasounds every other day to make sure things were okay. Um, she was just very small. got She got diagnosed with fetal growth restriction. Um, was down to below the first percentile, and they were worried about, um, you know, the outcome of of the pregnancy. So that was pretty traumatic. Um, I was in the doctor's office constantly all the time. So that fear coming up, like something's going to go wrong. Like I felt like I hit this point where I hit some bliss. I had like nine weeks of feeling like eight to nine weeks of feeling, okay, this is happening. I had my baby shower, like all this stuff. And then, um, the fear kind of sunk in again. Um, and she had a, we, I had my placenta was in the front of my belly. So it was really hard to feel her already. And then oh. she was so tiny that it was hard to feel her too. So the last few weeks were pretty stressful, but um they decided to induce me early they had told us to keep our hospital bags in the car um every single week we would go in for our appointments and it was like this it could be baby time they gave me steroid injections to get her lung development up and everything um the goal was to get her to 37 weeks which was considered her full term but they were pretty adamant that it wasn't we weren't going to make it there so Mm. I knew that I was going to end up getting induced at some point um over the summer. <laughs> she wasn't born until September, but at some point we we knew we were going to be getting uh, induced. So that was, that was stressful. Um, ended up making it to 37 weeks, felt great about it, was very happy. That was like the goal. So felt really good about that. Um, but then when she came out, she was very, very small. She was four pounds, five ounces. She had some problems with her blood sugar. She was having trouble with breathing, um, amongst some other things. So they, took her right away up to the uh, special care unit. And I didn't get those, like those moments after birth. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are plenty of other people that, you know, you just read a lot of things that those three hours, the golden hours, are supposed to be so important for bonding and breastfeeding and like all of these things. And there are a lot of other people that are denied that for you know whatever reason. And obviously she needed to medically be taken care of. That's obviously priority. And, and that's that's what she went. But that really messed with my psyche a little bit because I kept going back to that moment when things were hard at home. And I'd be like, She's not bonded to me because she got taken away. And she's not bonded to me because breastfeeding is really hard. And the breastfeeding is hard because she was being fed by a feeding tube and a bottle in the NICU. And she's not bonded to me because I went home without her and she stayed in the NICU for nine more days. Like all of those feelings were coming through when I was having those, you know, those hard times by yourself where you're feeling really down and feeling low. And then I would feel guilty for feeling down and feeling low because I had wanted this so much. And I expected to have this overflowing like abundance of joy and love and connection right from that very moment, especially having gone through what I went through. And mm-hmm. like that didn't happen. And mm-hmm. I was really shook by it. And I thought there was something wrong with me. Um I felt like I was a bad mom. Mm-hmm. Um I felt like all my friends like had of been through that and I didn't want to like, talk to them about it because I was embarrassed about it. And I was just waiting for like that light to like click on. And I do, and it did, and it did like, it, I'm very bonded to her now. Like it, it is there. We're good. But I think you go through so much trauma, um, the body, the mind, the hormones, the frustrations with the feedings, the lack of sleep, the lack of sleep was something that people have talked to me about until you were in it. I don't think you could even conceptualize it. Like It was just, it was a lot. And I felt, again, it was one of those things where I was like, why are people talking about this? (laughs) Like, why aren't we sharing how fucked up it is? (laughs) Excuse my language, but like those first few weeks, those first couple of months, it's, it's shockingly like messed up. And at the same time, I felt like, I didn't have like my mom for support and I was like resentful of that. I just wanted to be able to call my mom and be like, can you come over and watch the baby for two seconds so I can take a nap? And like, I didn't have that. And then that would throw me into a tailspin. Um, so my husband and I very much were like tag teaming and figuring it all out on our own. And and we did it, we've made it. And we're, we're a great team. We're here, but, um, but it was hard. Like I, there were times where I thought about my old life and I was like, do I, did I, am I going to miss that forever? Like, oh my God, I, I can't just get in the car and go to target by myself. Like, I can't just do that. Like something mm-hmm. as silly as that would like throw me into a tailspin. And now, you know, having gotten to know this little person. And once you start, once you get through the phase where, you know, she, you wonder if they even know who you are and that recognition starts to sink in, it's like everything changed. And that's when I started to be like, okay, this is hard, but you're smiling at me. You know I'm your mom, so we're gonna get through this together. It's gonna be okay. And um, she's still really, really tiny. And we, we, you know, we had a home a home nurse that would come by every week, and that was really helpful. And she was a great, great sounding board. She was like the only person that I would see because they didn't want us taking her out and about because she was so little. So she was like the only person I would see. She would, she would be really, you know, helpful with her advice and support. It was kind of like my pseudo mom because she was like right around my mom's age. Um, so that was a really, a really helpful thing to have. But, um and because she's so small she's she's she just eats all the time and she still like eats all the time so i feel like the sleep thing is still not fantastic but it's getting better and when that does start to get better yeah you can finally start to think again but um yeah i would say the biggest the biggest i guess the biggest surprise for me was uh, i felt really guilty i felt like that that immediate intense bond wasn't there and then i was searching for like the reason why and wasn't sure if i would be able to fix it I was like, if it's because of those three hours that I didn't get to be with her, I can't fix that because I can't turn back time. But I think it was just me learning to, you know, be a mom and work through the hard stuff and and figure out, you know, how to trust myself through that process and like let myself feel the feel, of the hard stuff and be honest about it and open about it. And then as soon as I was honest and open about it, guess what? Just like with the miscarriage, so many other people, mm-hmm. me too, me too, me too. And then you start leaning on each other. And I, I will tell you like the community of moms and people just through Instagram or, you know, in, in the DMS or in text you know, people that don't even see every day that just shared their number and we connect, like those are the people that got me through and just being able to be open and honest and true and like bent about something that someone else might not understand or, um, you know, just to get it off your heart. It, it that to me was really healing. I, I heal by connecting and that, uh, that helped get me through big time.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm like, I found so many pieces of my story in there. And I know a lot of listeners will, and also just like maybe soon to be moms that are listening that are like, it just, I think it's, it's like pre-validating because like they don't know what they're in for because every birth story is different and every Bonding experience is different. But what I keep coming back to, the more I like kind of unpack everything and experience motherhood, is just what a heart opening experience it is. And I almost feel like the expansion, whether it's like literally your body expanding in pregnancy and then in birth, and then your heart expanding to because it's such a like heart blasting open experience, is that it does also feel a lot like heartbreak. Like they're very synonymous in the feeling in the body and You've got that like whole entire um, you know, hormonal roller coaster going on behind it all, where you can easily overlay content, whether it's mom's not here. I'm like, my mom, I haven't been through anything that you've been through, but uh, my mom was far away. So like the yearning and like, okay, I'm alone, or my husband and I have never done this before. It's just, it's so raw. And like you said it so beautifully, like it also shapes. It pulls you into the role of the mother in something abrupt, like, you're in it, like here you go. And um, and your awareness that you've really walked us through this whole episode, just like how you how conscious you are of everything you're doing, saying how you're being, also made you aware of like what you were leaving behind. And it's like that's the double-edged sword of the consciousness, is like, oh, I'm so aware that like then you're dealing with that awareness at the same time. And I just really appreciate you sharing all of that. And one of the things when I, um, I would often think about when I was kind of in the trenches, like how do moms of two do this? Like now
1: (laughs) I've, i One of my best friends had twins and I would always think about her when I was having a hard day. be like, she made it, she made it and she had two at the same time.
0: The guilt, like the guilt, like I'd be thinking, like I'd be counting down the minutes till like Jeff was done with work or I could like eventually like, till I could get on a work call because sometimes that would give me a break. But then I'd be like, oh, I wanted this pregnancy so bad. So it's this ongoing struggle. But I think kind of to our point before, like there's also this like, immense sense of like accomplishment doesn't feel like the right word but landing and grounding and purpose in it um and i think you're just telling such a beautiful story of how that comes to be and the pain with it but how you've moved through the pain and i would love like to know if you had any advice someone gave you that stuck with you or if you have any advice to new moms or maybe moms that are. You're going to be second time moms just through your experience
1: oh i think the biggest thing is to not compare your experience to someone else's and use that as a barometer for how well you're doing mm-hmm. i am the type of person that i like i'm like okay i, I want to know everything i want like all the facts and i want all the data and like i want it in a nice little box and then that my result will be my result right and that's not the way the world works when you have a kid and Um, just being gentle with yourself and knowing that, you know, you are new at this and your baby is new too. And you'll get through the newness together. And your baby will tell you what they need and you will learn what the baby's needs are. And I... It 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 it's really it's magic. Honestly, is like what it feels like. It's like magic when it starts to happen. I wish I there is no exact advice because you you have to be in it to figure it out. And just being gentle with yourself through it, I think, is the most important thing of all. And knowing that it's okay to to take a step back and take a moment and say, "Hey, I need a second for me." I I would be like, hey, I think I just need to get in my car and drive for 10 minutes So my husband would come home from work and just be in that silence. And then immediately when I'd start driving away, I would feel guilty and I would have to remind myself back to like my mom. My mom would never have given herself this time and space. We now know that that's not the healthy thing to do. You will be a better mom if you can give yourself a moment and then come back into the space with a more clear head um, and a better like sense of self. And and that, that to me was really important. Something that I did was I actually went back to teaching Before my maternity leave was over and I didn't do, I didn't pick up my full-time work until my maternity leave was over, but I went back to teaching sooner. As soon as I felt like my body was ready, you know, ready to do it. And I wanted to, and a big piece of that was because I, I was missing that part of myself so much. And I felt like that would really greatly help, help me mentally, um, and it was just a couple times a week, I just started teaching class and it was just time for me to be out of the house. It was time for me to be reconnected to my community. It was time for me to do something that I love that you know, really is an important piece of my identity. And that was the the most wonderful thing I could have done for myself because I, I noticed immediately like the shift in my happiness and I would be able to come home and I would feel like I was a better mom and, and, and a better person and a better wife and, and I was happy with myself. And so whatever that thing is for you, make sure you're creating or try your best to, to create time and space to, to do that. And you might not be, you might not be able to get out of the house to go and like do something, but if you can go up into your bedroom and put on a podcast for 10 minutes or sit in the dark for 10 minutes or spend an extra five minutes in the shower, or, you know, go sit in your car in the garage in silence. We've all probably done that before. Um, just like taking that time, I think is so, so vital. And it's not something that I understood until I was until I was in it and then talking yourself through the guilt. Cause you will immediately say, I shouldn't be doing yeah. this. And, and you should, you're allowed to, you're allowed to, you're allowed to. Um, so I think that's my, my biggest piece of advice, being gentle and giving yourself some space to do the things that bring you joy, no matter how, even if it's two minutes out of your day.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, I think, you know, doing that before you get too far down the exhaustion trail and forget who you are. I mean, like I sometimes forget and I'm still, I I still do a lot of things that connect me to myself, but it's just such a different um, role that we step into. And it is so new and so different that I think it's normal to constantly be like checking in like, okay, like who am I now? Who am I now? But having a touch point, like you said, like with your teaching to come back and be like, oh, okay, this this is a piece of who I am. And it, until it doesn't feel aligned, like you're carving out time for it, which is super powerful. And um, I just am so appreciative of you sharing everything that you have and all of your wisdom, all of your awareness along the journey. I'm sure so many people are like, okay, either... I can do this or like, I need a therapist, uh, (laughs) not alone, all the things. So thank you so much. And I'm so curious, like if you are doing any other coaching, if there are ways you want people to find you, reach out to you, like talk to you, um, where can people find you? Are you coaching? Um, yeah. Where can they find you?
1: I have one more piece of advice first that's very important that I'm getting more comfortable with, and I think other people probably should do Um, also saying no (laughs) saying no huge so important. Um, Especially when you have a baby, you got you can set those boundaries and you can do what you have to do to make yourself feel comfortable I was dealing with a lot of postpartum anxiety a lot of intrusive thoughts specifically around people holding the baby. and. If you have to just not let other people hold the baby for a little bit, guess what? You're the mom. It's okay. Eventually you will feel comfortable having other people hold the baby, but don't force yourself to go into a panic, you know, in the moment, that's just one example, but giving yourself space to say, no, maybe you don't want to go back to your, to your work and do something you want to do right away. Maybe you don't want to go to the grocery store without your kid, like whatever it might be, like, it's also, it's okay to do, but it's also okay to not do. So I just wanted to like put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> um in terms of where to find me yes i am taking clients um i'm a board certified health coach so i do a lot of coaching in the eating disorder space the grief space the mindful movement space if people are looking to um you know reconnect to their body in a positive way and invite movement back into their life in a uh in a a healthy way a way that feels healthy and, and powerful for them um also the new motherhood journey. And that's something that's a little bit different and newer for me. Um, my business partner, actually my, my my co-founder of a business that we created, uh, Laura and I, we created a business called the Maternal Wellness Group while I was on maternity leave. And she had reached out to me actually on the day that I was giving birth to Lily. Like, I, She was like the first person that knew that I had a baby because I, she, I rolled over, I had my phone there, everybody was out of the room and she had messaged me. And I felt like it was a very serendipitous moment. Um, she's yeah. a clinical psychologist. I'm more in the holistic space, the fitness space, the health health coaching space, Um, and we created a business that blends both of those two things together. So we're looking to bring services to women, um, maternal mental health, maternal health and wellness. You can definitely check us out. Find us on Instagram. We are just getting started. Um, But our goal is to really make sure that we're providing space to nurture the nurturers and whether that's through counseling, nutrition, fitness, coaching, um, events, activities, um, all sorts of really cool things that we have coming up. So you could check out our website or our uh, our Instagram handle there. But yeah, find me on Instagram. That's where I really do most of my connecting with people. My uh, website is getting revamped right now, so you you're welcome to go to it, but it'll be nice and fancy in a few weeks. Um, but just send me a DM. I love to connect. I love to hear people's stories. I believe that you know, connection and, and sharing is, is just so powerful. And it's how so many of us can, you know, can move forward and heal and, and gain perspective in life. So if you have something that you want to share or someone you want to talk to, I'm here.
0: Well, thank you so much. I will put all of the links in the show notes so people can find them just scroll down and they'll be right there. And, um, yeah, I'm so excited to follow along, continue to follow along with your journey and, um, be in the motherhood space with you. And um, thank you again for showing up so vulnerably and honestly and sharing all that you did.
1: Oh my God, of course. Thank you so much for having me.